0: Hello and welcome to Not To Get Political, the podcast where we delve into the world of politics and hope to remain unscathed. Today I'm joined by Mick Wright, a journalist. Mick, how are we?
1: <laughs> All i right. All So, right. um, Thank you very much.
0: you're down in London today to cover the by-elections. Well, there's three by-elections going on, but you're here to cover the Uxbridge one.
1: Yeah, I'm doing Uxbridge because the most mad people are at the Uxbridge by-election, essentially. That's, that's the reason. Uh, a lot of candidates, obviously Boris Johnson's former constituency... So there's a lot going on there. You've got Lawrence Fox. You've got Count Bimface. You've you know got all the You know Count Bimface, a respectable candidate.
0: Let's uh. Do you want to make? Should we make a prediction uh, <laughs> in the recording? How do you think it's going it's to go?
1: Mug's game. Uh, well, it's hard to say. Labour could take it, but they might not. I think Ulez is a huge thing. Like I mean, because the likelihood is this is going to come out after it's happened, right? And, yeah. And, uh, how I feel right now is I think it will be a, a, a slight Tory hold like look majority drops but probably a hold because uh, people in that area I, I have been, I did go there for a kind of recon recently and, and they really hate ULEZ. they, they hate it so what's the who,
0: objection to ULES uh, for those of you who are listening who aren't aware uh, ULEZ is ultra low emission zone it was bought in by uh, by Boris Johnson quite yeah, ironically and then, and then the, adopted by it, Sadiq Khan increased by under yeah, Sadiq. been known like um, his flagship policy
1: I Uh, the objections are a lot of times quite um i don't want to be horrible to people not ignorant but like really pushed by say the evening standard and and the daily mail and all those kind of papers essentially it's the feeling that like you know uh small businesses will struggle because you know you've got to drive your van and then it charges you every day and stuff i think there are aspects of viewers that aren't great actually like in terms of the application of it but The principle in general is good, right? Let's reduce the number of cars and stuff. I think they could do a better thing with small businesses that have vans. I think they could have some exceptions and stuff like that. Exemptions maybe. I think Sadiq Khan as a mayor is, uh, he'll win again and I don't mind him. And I don't live in London anymore, but I used to. And I lived through the Livingston mayoralty, the Boris mayoralty, and and a part of the Sadiq Khan mayoralty. And I think he's an okay mayor. I think the mayor has some problems because ultimately the mayor is very restricted in what they can do. The, the problem for the mayor is that national government can really hamstring you, because for instance, like the mayor is responsible for TfL, but the national government could do things where TfL nearly goes bankrupt, and then you have to desperately say to national government, "Can you not yeah. let TfL go bankrupt?" Or you know you have slight, you have some control over the way that say private hire cars work, but not totally. And that's the problem that you're always dealing with is that national government can. It, it was quite good for for Boris Johnson because he was mayor. He was a Tory mayor with a Tory government. If you're a Labour mayor with a Tory government or vice versa, I think it's always going to be difficult.
0: And I guess with Sadiq Khan, there's often been a big focus on crime in London and this big like phenomenon regarding it. And it's often felt like when there's a, a, a heinous crime in London, Sadiq Khan is somehow blamed for it, like he's Batman and he can prevent crime that's going oh, yeah, on. Yeah, it was
1: highly racialised, right? Because you had Boris, uh, you had uh, Trump going on about Sadiq Khan, and you're like. Why is Trump even bothered about this is because Sadiq Khan is a Muslim mayor, but you know, London is a, a very diverse city with many, many Muslim residents and it's perfectly acceptable, in fact, desirable that you would have a mayor that represents the city as it is. Also, I think about Sadiq Khan is I, I find him, he's a centrist and I think he could be much more radical on some things, but like he is the son of a bus driver. There's a certain element when you look at Sadiq Khan you go, well, which is kind of cool that the guy has gone from like a family, like a working class family to being the mayor of London. You have to look at that and go, that's quite good. That's the system working quite well. Um, I think he's going to have problems if Keir Starmer does become Prime Minister because I think even though Khan is quite centrist, he's more radical than... It's not hard to be more radical than Starmer, <laughs> yeah. but he is, and I think he'll have problems. I think he'll have problems because Starmer will try and you know put the boot on his throat.
0: So the reason I kind of brought you on uh, today, other than talk about the by-elections, uh, is obviously the events that have been going on this week. Uh, so this week... Uh, there's been the focus on the Conservatives uh, cracking down on Mickey Mouse degrees and uh, Labour's uh, refusal or Keir Starmer's refusal to um, scrap the two-child cap on benefits. So we we'll start with Mickey Mouse degrees. Do you think that there are useless degrees?
1: Um, no. I don't think there's any such thing as that because fundamentally, for instance, uh, one of the best degrees to do in terms of um, economic outcomes is classics, Right. And that's dead languages, right? But people who do it are generally quite posh and they end up in investment banking. And they're not investment banking because uh, investment banking these classics. It's to do with feeling you have connections. And in another way of looking at it, a lot of degrees are just about thinking. Like you do a history degree and then you go and do any kind of different job, but they just go, oh, you can learn things. Most jobs, you learn what the job requires when you're doing the job like i first person in my family's go to any university i studied, i did an education degree it's like mostly philosophy psychology history and sociology of education right and i'm a journalist and i'm a journalist because i did loads of journalism at university and so when i came out of university people were like oh you spent three years writing on university newspapers and and you've got a good degree, so you obviously have a brain. Yeah. But the degree is sort of irrelevant. And at this point, 20 years in, I mean, I've been writing for money since I was 19 and I'm 39 now. When I get jobs, no one cares about my degree. They just go, oh, you have been a journalist for 20 years. Yeah. So at a certain point, I say to my stepdaughter a lot, it's like GCSEs are the key to doing A-levels. A-levels are the key to doing a degree, and a degree is a key to saying I have a certain kind of mindset give me a job yeah unless it's a professional qualification like being a doctor or a you know an architect or something like that but generally degrees your degree and your job are pretty disconnected other than you have a degree so i guess
0: um we're sort of reading this and sort of reading in between the lines when i've looked at sort of uh, voter intention uh, the way that voters might be voting at the next election how the electorate's going to vote um one of the things I've noticed is that amongst the uh, degree holders and young people, they're less likely to vote Tory. Do you think that there is an element of the Conservative Party trying to change the elect- electorate and sort of uh, mould it into their favour?
1: It's not even an element. It's 100% that's the case. And that's what's so bad about the general coverage of this story is to... Um, when you do media training, right, one of the things that you... like, I've media trained executives at various companies, right, when I've been skinned and I've been asked, will you do media training? And one of the key things in media training is you say, you don't have to accept the premise. Like, if you're talking to someone like you and you ask a question and I don't want to answer that question, I can say, I don't think that's the issue, I think this is the issue. And the trouble with the media is, it always accepts the premise that the Tories create. So the premise is, there are Mickey Mouse degrees. Now, a good media, an effective media would go, was this even true? And the answer is no, because Um, they've since the Blair era but you know even back to the Thatcherite era um, universities have been made into a marketplace so uh, students enter into getting degrees with quite a good mindset of like not a great mindset but a mindset that understands the market and says I'm doing this degree because I think it can get me this job so students aren't stupid and nobody's doing a degree that they don't think is going to have value the other thing that's a problem with the Tories way they look at this is they say do you have a high uh, uh, a good job which is a flexible definition within 15 months now of course that screws over people who do social care for instance because like you don't get paid well in social care right but we need more people to do social care so what's the problem with people being paid badly in social care it's not that the universities are doing bad degrees it's that the government won't pay people in social care yeah but Because the media accepts the premise, we end up with the thing going, oh, Mickey Mouse degrees. And the same thing when you talk about media studies. You go, actually, media studies would be very useful because then fewer people would have to watch podcasts like yours because they'd be like, oh, I actually understand that this is complete rubbish. But most people don't because they don't understand how the media works because they're not taught how the media works. And it's not their fault because often when I say that, people think I'm saying they're stupid. I'm not saying that. It's just you only have a certain amount of time to focus on certain things and all i do is analyze the media and i've been in it and i understand how it works but the average person is just going oh they said this on the six o'clock news i presume that's correct
0: yeah and i guess that's the thing so i studied international relations and, and politics at university at de montfort and one of the things you're taught is how to think critically how to look at how to interpret the world you're given different theories to, to look through as a lens yeah and if you're doing that and you're looking at the world through certain lenses and you're going hang on that's not right this is wrong we should change that well how can we change that well we change our gut we change our government we change our voting system we change the way that we think and feel and if that goes against the status quo then obviously there is going to be that pushback
1: yeah and most people try and do the other thing i think that i've realized around media and media framing of things and government framing of things is most normal people whatever to a given value of normal uh, try to do a good job, right? If they if they can do a job, and that's the thing I really hate about the whole Keir Starmer thing with like hardworking people. Some people can't work and they're still valid, right? But if they can do a job, they try and do their best generally. Most people try and do their best because most people want to feel that they have value. So when they read stuff in the media, a lot of people assume, well, this they must be trying to tell the truth. And that's not the case. And so this story is a great example of that because Rishi Sunak did PPE. If you want to talk about low value degrees, PPE is a ter- politics, philosophy, and economics, an Oxford course. Uh, most prime ministers in the 20th century did PPE. Like the majority did PPE. It, if you want to look at how people are come out and they do a low value degree, Liz Truss did PPE and that's why she's the way she is. You know, David Cameron did PPE. Yeah. And the number of prime ministers who did go to university, well, in the post-war era it's pretty much uh two people and and the most recent one is is uh, john major yeah who couldn't afford to go to university so was a civil servant and you've got a factor in there he went in and he was in the civil service but to be fair he was in like hmrc and stuff he was in he was like a pretty minor civil servant but it does give you a different mindset whereas you look at someone like you know, uh, like Tony Blair, or or Boris Johnson, who did classics. These people do degrees that actually, if you wanted to say, what would be a good degree to do if you wanted to be prime minister? These are not good degrees. PPE is a great degree for teaching you to bullshit. It's genius, right? Because it teaches you, you're moving around these topics all the time, and you learn to sound convincing about something that you don't know anything about.
0: I think that's what I've definitely realised with like someone like Boris Johnson, for example, the way that he is a, he's a great communicator because people listen to him. I think it's because of the gaffes and because of um, the way that he, he's conducted himself over the last 20, 30 years. Mm. And he gets away with it. And I think that's the key thing. He's always gotten away with it. So to have this by-election that's currently going on now, which is a result of his persistent lying, and again, this arrogance that he could get away with it.
1: He will be back as yeah. well. Th- In what capacity, though? He'll, he'll, he'll be an MP again after the next election. There'll probably be another by-election. He'll get in again. Uh, the thing that I find very frustrating, and and, and uh, I'm sure there'll be people who watch this or listen to this and get annoyed, but the FBPE people, uh, follow-back pro-European, um, who... I used uh, to be a member. That, the yeah, hardcore they, Remainers, they, yeah. the problem with them is they think that politics is about fairness, Right even though they're not very fair if they just don't like someone they'll be like they'll find a reason to not like them but the problem with them is politics is not about the rules politics is about understanding how to play and defeat the rules and boris johnson in one way is genius at that because like people go oh yeah but 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 the rules the rules and he just goes I don't give a fuck yeah. about the rules. I don't care about the rules. In the same way that Dominic Cummings is is one of the few campaigners in British history who's never lost an election that he was involved in, be it a referendum or a general election, because he just sees that it's not about telling the truth. It's about t- saying a compelling message. I wish it weren't like that, but I live in a world the world that we actually live in rather than the world I wish we lived in. And a lot of liberals kind of just scream, but my rules! And you're like, yeah, you don't win like that. And what Starmer is doing right now is trying to make the Daily Mail like him by doing things that the Daily Mail likes. But when it comes to the general election, the Daily Mail will still go, he is a communist. does I like, know what regardless. a woman is. Define
0: a woman, Keir. Define a woman. That's basically yeah, Yeah, the and, and
1: they'll go, he loves Just Stop Oil, even though... I know a lot of people in JSO, JSO hates Starmer and Starmer hates JSO, but the papers will still go... And I don't Strack think that they, still, they can make know.
0: that any clearer. Like, Starmer could not be like, I don't like these guys. You know, the clip was like, uh, get up, I'm opposed to what you're doing, go home, that sort of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. the, they're like, yeah, but he still likes them. What was it Grant Shapps said the other day? Oh, said you're
1: like the, the political wing of JSO.
0: I, don't think, I do not think that Grant Shapps wants to play who funds who, especially being a member of the Conservative it's Party. It's true,
1: but here's the thing it will work, because what you do with stories like that is you just say stuff enough, it's like saying that Miller, um, Ed Miliband's father, Ralph Miliband, hate, hated Britain, right, the Daily Mail said that, and ev- and people who were engaged with the story were like, well this is not true, he f- he, he fought in the army, he was he was an academic who really, you know, was very engaged in what Britain should be, but many people, I guarantee if you went out now and said, oh, to like a hundred people, what do you know about Ed Miliband's father? They'd be like, oh, he's a communist, right? Like, people have this error of thinking that everyone is engaged, but most people aren't. I I was sent by a pro-European paper to Rotherham to do a story about, they said, go and find out why they voted for Brexit. And before I went, I knew what it would be. And I spent my time in the pubs of Rotherham, like, talking to the day drinkers, talking to the after-work drinkers, talking to the late-night drinkers, and the And I came back and I said, you're not going to want to print this story. And they said, why? And I said, because I understand why they voted, which is basically they never got anything from London. And so they thought, might as well vote leave because who cares? It's nothing for us. Because I said to them, well, what about if your kids want to go on holiday to Europe? And they're like, we can't afford to go on holiday anywhere let alone europe and this is the problem you have this whole kind of liberal class there are a lot of these influencers who say we just need a labor government and you go yeah no it's more complicated than that lads if you just want to be red versus blue you don't know what's happening. Very
0: much the uh, people who think that the height of political discourse is going, fuck shit, cunt bollocks. Yeah, 100%. And I, I guess, I th- to be honest, I think I was part of that, that group, that cohort at some point when I was first starting producing content. And I think the only things that really changed it for me was kind of seeing how those sort of people were being perceived. And I thought, I don't want to be seen that way because that's not who I am. And also... I put out a survey at the start of the year to ask for feedback, and yeah. one of the things someone said to me was, "I love your content, but can you stop swearing so much?" Yeah. Because they said that their partner was very abusive to them and was using that sort of language. Yeah, yeah, And I thought, for me, I don't want people to watch my content and feel uncomfortable because of something like that. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I'll change it. And look, I do swear now and again, and I do, and I do apologize for it because you no, know, sometimes there's only, there's only. Uh, only so many ways that you can. Oh, I mean, can I articulate swear. I, I
1: swear a lot because my both my parents were in the Royal Navy, so you know. But the, the, it's more the compound swearing, like the whole cock-womble thing and stuff, and the cock-womble. whole whole. And also, often you see these people write, like there a, a great example for me is Nadine Doris, right? Is there's lots of reasons to hate Nadine Doris, but often you see people who describe themselves as the left writing really misogynist screeds. My problem with Nadine Doris is not that she's blonde, not that she's a woman, not that she has kids that she employs, even though that's dodgy. But it's just how the system works. My problem with her is that her politics are disgusting. And I think you can argue on that. It's the same thing with like saying Boris Johnson's fat, right? Yeah. The minute you do that, I sort of think, well, Boris Johnson's a, a congenital liar who has used public money to pay for, to hide affairs, right? That's a problem, but his... His weight. His weight <laughs> yeah. it, the minute you do that, I just look at that and I think, well, actually, your politics are not socially liberal in the way you think they are. Because if you don't like someone, you'll immediately go, oh, they're fat, or they're stupid, or they're like... With the Dean Dories, it's always
0: like the fact that she might be an alcoholic or something yeah, like all that. Yeah, implica-
1: all these people who imply that she wants to shag Johnson. It's like, may, she may or may not want to, but that... that if you want to take the moral high ground, and honestly, if you walk up to the moral high ground, it's probably empty these days. And I certainly don't think no. I live there. But you see that stuff, and you think you're as bad as them. There's, you're as bad as them. It
0: reminds me of this uh, sort of this TikTok that I watched, where it's like um, me listening to my uh, male friend say the most violently misogynistic thing ever, but it's okay because he said it about white women. Yeah, it's, and, that, yeah, and, it's and I was and I was there like that's sort of describing me sometimes. And I thought, shit, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, got no, it's, gonna, it's, I'm gonna, it's really grim. It, it's yeah. like.
1: it's like um, Dean Doris has written a load of um, romance novels that have sold a lot of copies, right? And the argument that people have is like, I think these books are rubbish. Now, I've read a couple of them. They're pretty bad, right? But it's a little bit like um, there was this thing, like 500,000, there was this uh, Elvis compilation, like 500,000 Elvis fans can't be wrong. To a certain extent, it's like uh, when you talk to people about who reads The Sun. The Sun, a lot of times, is read by men who enjoy reading the football coverage, which is decent and they don't really get the politics right but a lot of left-wing people like on these podcasts like um the romaniacs now oh god what now right they genuinely you if you listen to it for any amount of time they despise the working class they despise people they're like the way they talk about sun readers and i'm like the only way that you convert someone away from being a sun reader is you sit in a pub and you talk to them and you don't go you're stupid you go have you ever thought about it this way yeah. That's the only way you can do it.
0: There's a book by uh, James Felton, which is called Sunburn, that looks at the sun and looks at the stories that they've covered and yeah, the speak yeah. way that they've covered. And I've read that a couple of times now. And I think that is probably the best way to kind of leech people off the sun. And it basically looks how they, they came to be. Yeah. It was a combination of basically, you know, sensationalist stories and tits. Yeah. And the, t- the two together works perfectly.
1: Oh, so the sun, like the Daily Mail, can be funny. And the problem with, this, say, the Guardian, right, was two things. One, the Guardian is actually pretty um, reactionary in its own way um, and can be very judgmental. But also, it's very dry. It doesn't, it's not funny. Like, I always talk, when I go and do talks uh, and I say, like, I've never written for the Daily Mail and I never would. But the thing about the Daily Mail, and people really hate when you say this, it is a, it's a highly effective editorial product. It's very well made. You never find a spelling mistake in the Daily Mail. It, it's sort of, be- it's like, um. it's in the same way that the AK-47 is a beautifully made uh, semi-automatic rifle, right? I wouldn't it, know. T- I don't know too much about it does its job. Well, I, I know quite a bit about it because I've written about it. But like, because uh, Kalashnikov invented this, the AK-47 to be made with like cheap metal, and you can make tons of them. And the the genius of the AK-47 versus uh, like the British Army's SA-80, right? Is they spent millions of pounds on the SA-80, and it was a rifle that you couldn't use where there was sand. Like, And this is a modern rifle, right? And the AK-47 was invented in the Second World War. They still make it now. You can make it for, like, four quid. It's like press metal, and it works anywhere. But th- that's what the Daily Mail is. The Daily Mail is a is a, is a violent, brutal, horrible product, but it's, it, it's built very well for what it does. But also, it does have a sense of humor. I always bring up the, the story they did, which was the house that looked like Hitler. And it was a house that looked like Hitler. And when you saw the picture, you were like... Hey, that house really looks like Hitler, and that is a genius of a tabloid newspaper because it puts all this crazy political stuff in there. But mostly, it's stories like you said, tit. But also, like, here's a funny thing that happened. Here's a cat that looks weird. And so, if you are a person like I, I um worked on cover building sites when I was younger, and a lot of those guys would read that paper because it was funny. They didn't really go for the politics. They were pretty in their own way, quite progressive. Like, they had gay friends, they didn't really... They Some of them voted Labour, but they were like, this is a funny paper. Yeah, Like, it's fun and, and the crossword's easy and the sport is good. And so you have to think about these things that way, rather than being like some of these liberal podcasts can be, of going, oh, these people are stupid. That's the implication. They I do. guess
0: that's probably the easiest way of, you know... It's kind of dehumanising people in a way. Basically, like if you just whistle them down to just being seen as stupid, and yeah. then it makes it so much easier to then be like, because converting people is obviously going to be a lot more harder than yeah. actually recruiting. But it's people. true,
1: but if you look at a lot of the way that the that the I think post Brexit, there's been a kind of class of grifter that said we should be back in Europe. Europe's amazing, and it's like, well, a European Union is quite corrupt in lots of ways. I voted Remain because generally I felt. We're better in because we can make changes. But I didn't think, oh, this is amazing and everything's brilliant. Because it's just not the case. Yeah. But these people, they kind of hate leavers. And wet- And you know, I have leavers in my family. And they didn't vote, like, thank God they didn't vote for racist reasons. They vote for, like, you know, I think we could do this. And I was saying, oh, honestly, I think that's wrong. Yeah. But you listen to people and they talk about people who voted leave as if they're, like, and like some alien race and that's not helpful i guess that's that was work. kind of
0: so when when brexit happened i would have been 16 and i was sort of heavily not heavily involved but i was i got i went to like the pro eu marches yeah. and stuff when i was like 17 18 up to like about 19 18 um and you you would speak to people there and it was all like bollocks to brexit and it was very much like this idea of like wanting to be punk yeah. And this idea of like uh, sort of counterculture, and it's like, no, this is very much like the establishment. Yeah, granted, like the Leave campaign has been going on since 1992, but that's but what but, like, Leave this, benefited from. Yeah.
1: Leave was was the more punk option. It was like, screw this, whatever. And and also, you t- Remain did this mad thing where they were like, oh, well, economically this will be bad for. It was very dry, right? They should have. Uh, well, I'm a Marxist, and I think that you have to think about material conditions. If Remain the Remain campaign had said, this will cost you this much money every month, rather than some high economic thing about how much it will cost GDP, they should have said, you will lose £300 a month. Yeah. And I will show you how you will lose that, or whatever. You know, just have a figure. That's the way to do it. Whereas Leave said, uh, you'll get this money. Yeah. And of course, it's a lie, but listen not everyone's super politically engaged and we've got to get out of this mindset of being like oh everyone uh has to read every policy paper like my my cousin is an electrician he makes good money being electrician he really doesn't care about politics there's no way i can make him care about politics and he is just not gonna you know so the only way to make him care is to say oh you know this will cost you money like material conditions matter that's the thing like
0: I, i remember once reading like a fabian policy paper once, and i got to like the first page and i thought I'm going to play football manager now. Like, I don't... It, it, it got yeah. to the point where it's like I like, this doesn't engage me. And I feel like that's what I've learned. It's like we were discussing before on, about this, uh, before we came on, this idea about uh, theory and like trying to hammer it home. Yeah. Most people don't give a monkeys about theory. No. You know, that's why in my, my videos, I once... We, it was when the Owen Patterson scandal was going mm. on and I was talking through the different types of corruption and what was going on. The video didn't do very well. And I realised... People don't care about the definitions, they just want to know what is happening in this case, what is its implications, what is the solution, yeah. and I think that's kind of what I've taken on. Um, I kind of want to link what you were saying, so linking sort of like the whole Remain Leave thing. Do you think the reason there is perhaps more uh sympathy and uh, sort of benefit of the doubt being given to someone like Keir Starmer because he kind of represents that sort of, I don't know, FBPE sort of liberal, very much like centrist dad sort of Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh,
1: the most frustrating thing with people who are hardcore Starmer supporters is they keep doing this thing where they say, ah, you see, he can't promise anything before he gets elected. He have to say everything is terrible and then when he gets elected, he'll change. And it's like, okay, well, do you know that we used to do a kind of politics where a politician had to... tell you a story about why they would fix things and now we're at a point where listen you know when tony blair i was in 1996 i was 12 years old right so when tony blair was elected in 97 i was 13 so i i was aware of that campaign and the thing about that electoral campaign was two things one i mean the tories actually the economy was back on an upswing so labor was going to benefit from that but people were tired of the tories so they were going to get in but the that first Blair government we were talking about this before we yeah. started recording they had it they had a pledge card there were six pledges and there were things they could achieve you know re- reduce class sizes um reduce waiting lists um cut the deficit like the, the these are things that it's like there's a number and we'll pull the yeah, number yeah. down and that was very good retail politics right now i don't see that from Starmer, like uh because Starmer just keeps saying like with the two child policy um he was saying for about two years before this, this is appalling policy, and it is. And the argument you get from the disgusting Starmer supporters is, well, the, most of the public don't support this. You, but you know, most of the public didn't support the um, getting rid of the death penalty. Most of the public didn't support uh, gay marriage. There is a certain point where in a representative democracy, if I elect you as a politician, I'm electing you because I believe you can make some choices for me and what we've got to now is politicians can only do what the public think uh the majority thinks we should do now actually in a constituency representational democracy what we're actually saying is you are a class of people we're electing to think about these things a bit harder and then we will go with what you're saying right because I talk to people sometimes. They know nothing about a topic, and that's fair enough. But you see, where I am with it is if I know nothing about it, I'll go. Well, what do you think we should do? Because I haven't got a clue. You cannot just go in a in a. We well, can. That's what they do. But you can't go in a in a. Um. You know, opinion poll and go. uh, do you think that we should um hang criminals because people will say yes but actually the reality is there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't just hang criminals right and we should have a political class who are professionals and do professional things and have a sense of going and make an argument like you're i was um to to slight tangent but i was at a festival at the weekend i was asked to speak at it and i spoke and then after i talked i talked to loads of people who wanted to discuss stuff with me and then hours later i was at the bar and it was about nine o'clock at night and a guy came up to me and he was like i didn't agree with you about x y and z obviously it was trans stuff and other things right and i was i said to him i'm not gonna i don't want to do that now and he said why and i said well because you know why do boxers not fight in car parks he said what do you mean? I said, well, boxers are prize fighters, so they fight for money and they don't fight amateurs. And he went, again, I don't get what you mean. I said, because you don't get the analogy, means I know why you shouldn't Yeah, argue. yeah, of course. I said, because I am like a prize fighter. Like I now argue for money and I think politicians should argue harder they should have a principle and persuade the public like jfk for instance right like obviously his father was mafia connected there's a ball loads of votes and stuff but but there was a period you go back to that period and you look at politicians like him he's against richard nixon in the in that campaign jfk is saying here's a positive vision for america right or another example is eisenhower at the end of his um presidential uh period you know goes on tv and he does this speech called um, the military industrial complex and he he he's been a military man and he's been a politician and he's willing to say something that people don't necessarily know about or want to hear and he goes you know we have to be really careful that we don't allow our politics to be taken over by the military industrial complex because there's a huge problem with the military and and corporations deciding how we work politically now unfortunately no one listened to him but it was a man standing up and saying something he believed in we've got to a point now where politicians say oh i just have to say what the public want and lots of labor supporters think that's what should happen but no labor should have a vision and sell that vision not say oh nobody wants anything to shit. everyone wants everything to continue to be shit and we're going to go with." It. it's like the whole there's no money left argument and, yeah, that's it's, all- it's, and it's economically like illiterate yeah,
0: yeah. But I guess that's the thing. I think people believe it because it's been running for the last 13 years. We would do this, but there's no money left because of Labour. And now the Labour Party are now going, there's not going to be any money left because of the Tories. And it's like, fucking create it. That's your job economic and we, growth and we Let's have a
1: media it. we have a media that is so addicted to doing this thing of saying it's like a household budget it's not like a household budget it's not like a credit card a sovereign state can create wealth in any number of ways not just through quantitative easing which they got ex- obsessed and addicted with through the austerity era you can do it in loads of ways you, for instance also like with the two child with the yeah. the benefit cap right the two child cap uh you could cut it's a 1.2 billion pound policy right yeah. 1.3 yeah yeah. 1.3 right what? cut that off trident just say we're taking 1.3 billion off trident that's a rounding error on on trident trident still gets paid for i mean it shouldn't in my opinion but like there are tons of things we spend money on that we could cut one for a government 1.3 billion is uh tiny yeah. and we know that but the they don't want to talk about it like that but if i talk to just a bloke in the street and say 1.3 billion pounds he thinks that's loads so the way you answer that is you talk about it as a percentage of government spending and then it's a rounding error
0: well they've said if they if the two child cap on benefits was scrapped uh, 200, 250,000 children would be immediately lifted out of poverty and another 850,000 would be would be alleviated that strain would be alleviated families in one out one in four of the poorest constituencies in the country would be 3000 pounds better off it's a policy that is so regressive and basically demonises children for the the crime of of being born, something no child ever asks
1: for. Well, I saw Rachel Reeves on on, um, BC Breakfast the other day, and she said they were asked her about universal um, free school meals. I was a governor in Tower Hamlets where they have universal school meals for primary school. It's brilliant because for a ton of reasons. One is um, there's no stigma for kids on free school meals because everyone is. Two is if... The parents of if richer parents are engaged in what school meals are like, the quality of school meals goes up because richer parents are like, "I want my kid to eat good food. This needs to be better." There's a whole like everyone is involved. Then the It would make sense to have universal school meals at secondary and primary because it will actually bring money. It will actually make you. It saves money in tons of ways, right? Because you have to deal with. Uh, child hunger and poverty and if you have free school meals suddenly you're like the money you spend is paid it's the same way that you know during lockdown they took all the homeless people off the streets and they could do that but they won't do it now because basically homelessness serves a political role because it's to say to you you better behave yourself because you could be homeless but if we take homeless people off the streets, it costs less. Money. Like I think we take homeless people off the streets because it's it's uh, morally abhorrent to have people be homeless. But if you want to be a hard ass economically about it, uh, homelessness is a very expensive in terms of crime. It's very expensive in terms of social. Um, care intervention stuff if you take homeless people off the streets they don't get unwell it doesn't cost the nhs as much it's actually cheaper to you could just put them all in hotels and it would be less money than having homeless people but they don't want to do that because the papers will say oh you've given them free things and so we've got to a point where the blairite era got us obsessed with means testing make sure nobody gets any money they don't deserve when actually means testing costs a load of money as well the other reason to have free school meals is uh, give it to everyone, then you don't have to system, have to build a system to manage who is allowed. The system to manage who's allowed it costs more money often than just giving everyone it. Yeah, well, I suppose, uh, what, uh,
0: bringing up on a point when you mentioned about the papers talking about homeless people, I suppose the only time they'd ever speak in favour of homeless people is if it's refugees in those hotels. Um, yeah, well, and yeah. they
1: say we could put homeless
0: people in there, it's like the not same brown, brown people. people you people. don't give a yeah. shit about it. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, fucking... it, I, it's, it's always a hierarchy of who do they hate the most.
0: So there were three by so there's three by elections today. Uh, one in Oxbridge and South Rosslip, um, one in Selby and Anstey. and another in uh, Somerton and Froome. Yeah, how do you think they're going to go?
1: You know, it's a mug's game, and likelihood is people watch or hear this after they happen. Oxbridge, uh, because of the ULEs, uh, the 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 you know the the charge in London could well stay. Uh, Tory, it's a pretty Tory place the majority will drop there, the other two will probably go either both uh, Labour or one just about Lib Dem and one Labour but I think Labour will probably win two out of three Um, now they'll make that a huge deal and it's good, it's good if you're opposition and you win by elections but you know incumbent governments usually lose by elections so that's not amazing the key will be how much do they win by if you think if they're gonna win the general then they want to dominate they they really want the if the two they win they need to dominate like it needs to be a really major swing and a a large majority
0: thing thing is i feel like with, with by elections there's there's only so much you can read into because again i think with this one it's as you said um you know incumbent governments never never tend to win yeah um also turnout tends to be a lot lower and you really can't I wouldn't say you can read too much into it, and I feel like the Labour victory will just look—it's just apathy against the Tories. They don't like the Tories anymore. Yeah, but
1: but but if they didn't win them, or they won them with a very slim majority, it does say something. Yeah, you you, of course you've got to factor in the the turnout and say, well, it's always low turnout. But Labour need to do like if you want to go back to the last time they won with a huge majority in the by-elections that Blair fought prior to '97. They dominated, mostly. There were a couple they didn't, but mostly they did. And the other thing is, the other thing you always have to factor with by-elections is expectation management. So the Tories have set, Tories have been out there saying, well, we'll probably lose all three, thinking, eh, maybe we'll win one. Because if they win one, that's amazing, right? Whereas with the with Labour, it's very difficult because the expectation is they are going to dominate. And if they don't win all three, or they don't win the two that they should win by a large margin, then you're going to get the press going. Ooh, stomach, well, you should do better than that. So that's the problem. Uh, but by, you're right, by-elections are their own thing. And often people forget that they are the local local issues dominating by elections it's why the Uxbridge one could still go Tory also because they're very Tory in Uxbridge and Ryslip like they just are Nick
0: thank you so much for coming on before you go is there there anything that you'd like to promote
1: Um, just follow me on Twitter Twitter, at Broken bulb, where you can find most stuff there and uh, yeah thanks a lot
0: Uh, and to all of you who are listening thank you so much we appreciate all of the kind comments that you're putting in even the nasty ones as well thank you for boosting me um really boosting my ego um thank you so much for engaging and uh yeah we'll see you all for the next one thank you